When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Corner. I am Rick Graham and I'm joined here by Nick Pollock and we're here to talk about the rest, the last team to go over the uh, pitcherless mock draft we had earlier this year. That's right. It is yours. <laughs> it is yours. It is Rick Graham. Hi, what is happening, everybody? Nick Pollock here for another edition of On the Corner and we are doing our mock draft series. We've gone through 11 out of the 12 teams in this mock draft we did in the middle of October. The last one remaining is... You might know him on the site, Rick Graham, the king of our reliever rankings on the site, does the reliever lists, that is closers, holds, safe plus holds, uh, through the week in season, has his top 125 relievers for 2023 up on the site right now, and he picked second in this draft, uh, if you don't remember, to head-to-head categories, Yahoo standard 5x5, that means it's average and wins. And we have two separate Otanis. We have three outfielders, two utility spots. There is no corner infield. There is no middle infielder. You have four bench spots. You have nine pitchers, however you want them. That's it. I know it's standard, but it allows you to build off of that for your own league settings. Thank you all for tuning in for all 12 of them. I know if you're listening right now, you've listened to the 11 others before. And we saved the best for last with Rick Graham. And Rick, tell everybody again what you do. And where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, so I'm writing. I do all the reliever rankings at Pitcher List and help uh, manage the reliever ranks team throughout the year. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, yeah, it's very simple. It is <laughs> Rick Graham. Uh, you 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 forgot your title though, Rick. You have a, you have this important title here at Pitcher List. The now senior fantasy analyst of. That's right. <laughs> We only yes. have two. It's you and Scott Chu. Well deserved. You've been here, thank you. I believe since 2016, or maybe it was it mean 15? It's it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's at least 16. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the most important part about this is that the reason I know Rick is because he was friends with uh, Pat Nicholson, um, who I played uh, baseball with at Brandeis, and Rick is the pitcherless representative. In this Brandeis Fantasy League. And uh, my understanding is he's won multiple times, correct? I've won once, came in second okay. once. So that's okay. in four years. In four years, in four years yeah. you've won it and came in second this past year. Yeah. And maybe it's been some shenanigans. Um, so, I don't know. This is not from you. I heard from my other sources mm-hmm. um, that there may have been shenanigans. Just kidding, of course. Uh, but uh, it's lovely to have it. And if you listen to the last episode with John Metzlar, you'll also know that out of the last four years, it has been Metzlar versus Rick Graham in the finals of our PL Legacy League. That is the number one league of our 
I think it's a total of 10 team relegation fantasy leagues that we have yeah. here at Petros is what you get when you become a Petros staff member. And Rick is three out of his last four, if that's right. Um, and Damn. John Metzlar's, uh, I guess, giant killer is you. So uh, congratulations, Rick. Th- thank you. It's easy when John spends all his, you know, w- waiver money and fab money <laughs> early in the season. So gives me yeah, the last week. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the secret is the last week. You save like yeah. $5 to get that extra one or two that he was going to get. Yeah. Oh, all those streaming pictures. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get five extra because you just spend one of them knowing no one else is going to take it. Yeah. Um, all right. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We're talking about your 23 picks in this draft. Jose Ramirez went first. And I should ask, as I do everybody here, two things. One, did you have a specific plan going into this draft? Not not like I wouldn't say specific plan. Um, I kind of knew who I wanted to 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 take first to take with my first pick second overall and then kind of how to work from there mm-hmm. and i think it worked out the way i wanted to to i took i mean we'll get into it but i think i there's a couple gambles in here that you know we'll, we'll see how they play out but I, I i like overall how how things worked out okay and i mean obviously being the reliever guy just like i am the pitching mm-hmm. guy you wait on your strength that is relievers one in the first 19 rounds and then we'll talk about how you finish the draft later did you and the second question there was were you intending to be the second pick and if not did you ultimately like it i i do like i like picking either back to back or you know in, in that second or you know 11 hole in a 12 team league mm-hmm. and having like being able to kind of pair picks together um which i feel like i did with you know taking either you know a power and a speed guy or taking you know a a young prospect versus like a proven you know you know guy we know is going to produce um so yeah i do like having like the second pick and this year is tough because i it's really tough with the top i don't know four or five it it could really go any any way and like with my second pick i could definitely see him going anywhere in the first round so right and that was ronald acuna jr um taking second uh so jose ramirez first then trey turner third arson judge fourth and julio rodriguez fifth i mean how can anyone not call him arson judge now it's, it's a great name. Uh, I know it's like, oh, it's overplayed by now, especially considering you guys are going to hear this. I'm sure a lot of you have been listening to this in January or so. But it's amazing. <laughs> it, it absolutely cracks me up. I mean, he is Fuego. I get it. I, but Ronald Acuna Jr., do you have any worry about this? 15 home runs, 29 stolen bases, 266 average, 71 runs, 50 RBI, 351 OBP. Now, this was 119 games. But still, 15 home runs versus the 40 home runs mm. of Mike Trout in the same time. Obviously, this is for the stolen bases of 29. Do you think that he's all right? He's just going to uh, get that power back in 2023? That's what I'm banking on here. I I mean, he's still he's going to be another year removed from his ACL tear. The knee was clearly still bothering him a little bit, but not to the point where he stopped running. I mean, he had 29 right. stolen bases, so that's that's definitely something you know positive to take away but i i feel like the, he was still making like elite hard contact he was he was still hitting the ball hard um i think just you know another year removed him some time off because he probably if we're being realistic probably was rushed back a little bit last year so i think some time off to kind of you know get back to where he was two years ago should should do him 
well and i think we're going to be talking about him you know as the f- probable first second or third you know overall pick in 2024 after next season yeah I, I sure hope so i mean the home run dip is a product of more grounders lower launch angle uh and normally i don't talk about average launch angle but when it's a seven degree dip Mm. That's a huge deal. That led to a uh, about a 10%, 11% drop according to our fly ball rates and a 14% increase in ground ball rate. Uh, it's not what you want uh, for a home run hitter. And also having fewer of those fly balls returning home runs mm. is another issue as well. I, I do hope for a research. I, I can't help but think... This is expecting too much out of Ronald Acuna. Uh, considering there is already a little bit of risk uh, given the the lack of power. And also 266 average, uh, 248 in 2020, 280 in 2021, and 266 for Acuna in the last three years in that batting average. We don't like to talk about that a lot. Head-to-head leagues, I don't really care as much. But it is something that makes you think, like, huh, is this actually going to be an issue for him? Mm. I don't know. I uh, why Acuna over say Aaron Judge? I think a little bit to do with um. So I I might be a bit like a bad stigma I have is just guys who are in their free agent year, and especially when we we're drafting, it was likely Judge was going to be back in New York. But I still, you know, if a move to San Francisco or anywhere else, you never know how that's going to affect the player, and um, you never. I mean. I feel like, you know, obviously Judge doesn't give you the stolen base numbers. I feel like Acuna is more of a five-tool potential guy. Um, I still, I still like Judge. I mean, Judge is still a top five, you know, player on my board. But I think just the overall dynamic, you know, ability of Acuna, who was doing it, uh, you know, consistently up until his ACL tear. I think, you know, just just having some time to get back to 100% will bring him back to where he was, you know, pre that knee injury. And uh, you might be surprised to hear that Judge was 35th in the majors with 16 stolen bases I, last I year. I was thinking that when I said that. I know. And yeah. I, but I'm going to give you credit because <laughs> I don't believe that's going to return. I would imagine Aaron Judge contract year. Yeah. You're going to steal a little bit more, get that number up. It's going to push up your WRC plus and mm-hmm. talk about your, your war going to all the stuff. It's going to help it if you can get those stolen bases, which he knows he can, but it's no, you're not going to see that again. I actually would be surprised if judge got double digits again, personally. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been more and more convinced to chase judge just because of the unbelievable impact his home run RBI and run potential is like, it's just massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do agree with you. And it's from Colton and the wolf talking about, do not get guys after their contract years. It's generally saying, or in entering the contract year, first year free agency, essentially yes, don't get yeah. them. Entering contract year is one thing, free agency is another. And I, I absolutely get that argument. Um, I personally will go for Judge still. I think that there, there's just more, I think a larger impact than I push down stolen bases in uh, in five by five leagues. Um, but then again, I have not been to the finals in the last four years of the Legacy League. So what do I know? Um, we're going to go to the second and third round now where you went starter starter. Was this a plan of yours? Um, a little bit. I, I think it kind of the board dictated. I think there are 
starters started to come off the board right about then. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to take two here and then, you know, fill up on bats for a little while and come back to starting pitching. But I, you know, the two guys that were available that I took, I think still, you know, guys entering their prime and, um, or in their prime and just, you know, pretty, pretty sure things. I mean, you took Corbin Burns and Shane McClanahan. Absolutely. Uh, when I did my rankings for uh, 2023, uh, Cole and Burns essentially one and two, not in that order. Burns first, Cole two, just because of the floors. They're clearly amazing. You're going to get 200, hint at 250 strikeouts, etc. McClanahan, I believe I put at four in a different tier simply because I don't know what the condition of his body is right now. Mm-hmm. We had, I believe, two different scares in uh, in September with Shane McClanahan maybe it was one and I'm just making up a second but I uh, that, that that that's something that sticks with you a little bit I have Alcantara ahead of him simply because 228 plus innings last year is ooh, that's that's a gorgeous thing but McClanahan's fourth I get it uh and what drew you to McClanahan instead I I think yeah I, I there is definitely concern there and what I don't think he's going to reach like an inning. He's definitely not going to hit Sandy Alcantara's innings. Um, oh yeah, but I still, I as long as he's healthy, and that that definitely is a concern there. But I still think he's he's you know trajecting upwards in his his um, career, his progression and um, situation. You know, he's he's in a good spot in Tampa Bay, a place where they you know get them typically get the most out of their pitchers. Sure. And I, um, it's just really comes down to health with them. And I know the second half was, it was a bit of a, was underwhelming, but as far as we know, it seems like it was nothing significant to his, his, uh, his arm. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping we see, you know, that first half McClanahan, who was the AL all-star game starter. I mean, Jim McClanahan is amazing. I am a McClanahan fan. <laughs> this strategy of second, third round starting pitchers, we talked a little bit about it with John Metzler. It does give you freedom to chase a lot of hitters for the next couple of rounds. And you are at this point past the, the top 20 of hitters mm. that to me are all just first rounders who happen to trickle into the second. There is a moment of... I, I want to, well, I do want to say that Lindor and Altuve could slide into it, maybe some Matt Olson, um, but Altuve specifically because of second base eligibility. Did, were you, did you have a plan of attack for positions entering this draft? Not really positionally. I, I knew that there were some positions that were weaker than others, and I think I'm, I think I missed on them actually early, so... That's where I, I kind of, you know, first base, I had to wait a little bit, but I still like what I ended up with there. And yeah, third base was also another position where it's like after after the first four or five, it gets really, really dicey. But um, yeah, positionally, not really. It was more of just like what kind of what stats and what, what, what categories, you know, or what can I make work and fit here and kind of figure out the positions as I go. I'm- I understand this because really after after Austin Riley and Paul Goldschmidt, no longer Bryce Harper, mm. I might be finding myself in your exact spot of going double starter at that point. Um, 
I think I took I, Burns and McClanahan. I was gonna t- I was gonna take Harper and oh got, really? Yeah, and he got. Uh, I mean, now that won't happen because he's gonna yeah. be out until June or so. Yeah. Uh, Altuve is one where I think there is a sizable gap at second base. It's mm-hmm. Betts and Altuve, and then who do you want, Semin or Albies or Chisholm or Story? It's, it's a real difference. Um, and unless you have a good backup plan that you enjoy, you might want to do because if you didn't take Altuve in any of those two, or a, no. you know you weren't able to get Semi and Albies on the backswing in the fourth round, maybe in some drafts you can. I think they both fell a little bit in this one as everyone went starter heavy. But uh, it, it, it's interesting to see, and it's something that I'm going to be trying to navigate myself. But I, I don't hate going starter starter at that point when it's Burns and McClanahan. Burns and Alcantara is what I would do, but it's mm. awfully close. It's fine. Everyone will have their preference and you'll be fine with whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we talk so much about like the top 10 starters and it's whatever. You get one of them. Great. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. Um, Xander Bogart's in the fourth round. Uh, you needed a shortstop. And we have Turner, Bichette, Witts, Jr., Tatis, Jr., Seeger, and Lindor all off the board. Not in that order. And you decided to go with Bogarts. Um, Bogarts last year, not the most impressive fantasy season. 307 average is good. 84 runs are good. But just 15 home runs, 73 RBI, 8 stolen bases, and 150 games. And that was a contract year. Now we had the Padres just signed with them. And usually we see some dip in production. What made you go after Xander when you didn't know where he was going to be signing? <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, the move to San Diego, I I think it affects him a little bit. I don't, see, with him, I, I, I was thinking mostly, kind of like with Acuna, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm not banking on the home runs to come back because there's a lot, I mean, with Acuna, I need the home runs to come back. But Bogarts, I don't really need the power to come back. He's still going to, you know, hit for he's gonna hit around three hundred. He's going to either drive in runs or, or score runs depending on where he is in the lineup. And I was, I think, in this at this time, I was still kind of as a Red Sox fan. I was like pretty uh, optimistic about him <laughs> returning. And you know, I, I it's fine that he's you know signing a contract, but as long as he's signing with the, the team he's been with, that doesn't really sway me too much but sure move moving to san diego it's yeah i mean the, the power numbers are probably aren't gonna that's that's not gonna help his power numbers out there um so let's say that you take chisholm jr here real muto goes class a goes around the turn who would your fifth round pick be um just an idea for the listeners of other guys that went after that Chisholm pick was Randy Rosarena, Cedric Mullins, Alex Bregman, Aaron Nola, Adelise Garcia, Luis Castillo, Shane Bieber, Tim Anderson, Tommy Edmond, Trevor Story all went in the fifth round. Hmm. See, that's I don't love anyone there really. It's it's kind of a weird. I mean, Bregman maybe because of the third base gap is just really, really um tough to tough to deal with. But I don't. I still don't. Yeah, that, made, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, then again, do you have to fill the shortstop hole? Is there a backup that you would be aiming for? Um, other ones in the left are Tim Anderson, Willie Damas, Ronda Franco, yeah, Anthony Swanson, O'Neill Cruz. I think Swanson's still getting slept on a little bit. Obviously, Cruz has mm-hmm. a ton of potential and definitely someone I was interested in. I think I got uh, someone 
snake. Yes, yeah, middle of that, yeah. uh, well, end of the seventh round. So you still had a good, yeah, uh, maybe thirteen picks I, before you. I think Tim Anderson's probably getting slept on a little bit too. I think mm. um, he's again, he's kind of a you. He's got a high floor and has some upside left there if he can uh, get his power numbers back, but. I don't. I don't hate Bogarts in this area, even with the move to San Diego. I just, it's definitely not as. It's not looking as good um, as I would have liked. Sure. Um. So so Xander Bogarts to me not my shortstop target. I prefer going after William Adamas, Danzy Swanson, as you mentioned, Carlos Correa, who went the eleventh round of this one. Yeah. Uh, fourth round pick there. I like what you mentioned about Bregman. I think that's smart. You need to adjust to get something at third base. Um, but I mean, then again, it is kind of safe with Bogarts. You have that tucked away, done. You have a good average. Probably doesn't hurt you in the rest of stuff. Cool. Should help you in runs at the very least. And hopefully you do get 2010 uh, potential from Xander Bogarts. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Jazz obviously didn't have much of a season. Only 60 games. But in that 16... 16- those 16 games, 14 home runs, and 12 stolen bases, which is a whole lot. And you are you have a ton of potential here in Jazz Chisholm. The runs in RBI may not be there like the other guys, but still, 39 and 45 would be amazing in the 2020 season, which was 60 games long. It's a good way of framing it. Mm. Um, I like to think, as I pat myself on the back, um, Jazz Chisholm, is he just going to pick up where he left off? That's... That's the plan. That's the hope here. I think I felt that I kind of knew I was going to take both of these or that I was hoping to, to jazz jazz would um fall to me after I picked Bogarts because I just felt like this combination, you you have Bogarts who's steady floor. He's going to hit for average. He's going to give you some counting stats in the run RBI production, you know, categories. And then Ch- Chisholm's kind of maybe a little bit of a wild card because we get, we're, we're banking on, you know, health and a short sample, a small sample size last year, but that huge ceiling with, I mean, the home run stolen base production potential. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the combo of them can kind of, you know, weigh, weigh each other out. And I think it just, you know, helps solidify my middle infield, especially when we talk about second base kind of falling off um, right around here. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's an interesting one. Uh, the average is obviously a bummer. 254 and 248 the last two seasons for Jazz Chisholm. 27% K rate is a major product of that. Swing strike rate went up to about 15, 16% last year. I hope that can improve. I hope uh, Chisholm can be uh, a better guy at the plate, yeah. play discipline wise. Second base, though, is not very good. Trevor's story went later in the round. Gunnar Henderson uh, was taken by you later. We'll talk about him. Andres Jimenez, Jake Cronenworth. Chisholm does seem like he does have that upside that you're talking about. Um, that is likely worth it. And was that part of the the Gunnar Henderson pick in the seventh? Or is Gunnar just going to be your third baseman? Partially, but I, I like having... a. I do, I've, especially as you move through drafts, I like having the, you know, versatil- the position versatility, which... Especially with uh, with Yahoo settings, is definitely there's a lot of things you can yeah, kind of do. Yahoo's got that five game <laughs> minimum. Oh yeah, boy, I love lot. it though. It, it makes more yeah. opportunities for sure. You you can put your your actual best hitters in the lineup. You know, you can find a spot for them. 
Um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, it's it's a similar, I think, strategy the next couple of rounds with um, trying to take a take someone who's got a steady floor, who who, who we know what we're going to get from, and then taking a a high upside, you know, younger guy who if you know if he hits a ceiling great if he doesn't you know will i think i kind of masked some of those those problems potentially down towards the end of the draft with some some other you know floor guys so uh so we'll go more in depth on gunner henderson and also your sixth round pick teoscar hernandez right after this break most weight loss programs are short-term fixes But the problem is, managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So Teoscar Hernandez, sixth round, was not a Mariner when you drafted him. Uh, It does change things a little bit going from Toronto to Seattle. Do you regret this pick now? Um... At first, I after that trade happened, I was thinking, "Oh, well, that's that's a bummer because he's he's you know hitter for friendly. this fake team that doesn't actually exist." <laughs> I, I know it's just a mock draft, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> it was. I was thinking about it and like, yeah, you're leaving that that great lineup. You're leaving a you know a hitter friendly ballpark, hitter friendly division, all that. And um, it looks like though, I, Teoscar's bat and his power plays really well in Seattle. Um, he actually expected home runs are actually higher in Seattle than they were in Toronto. Um, and again, I mean, it's not, maybe, maybe it's not the blue Jays lineup, but that's a really good lineup that Seattle's put together up there and he's going to have protection wherever he hits. And, um, I really don't think it, I don't think it does much. Um, there's the question of, you know, 
contract year status is it gonna is it gonna hurt him going to a new place and you know right before his contract's up that's a you know a, another thing to, to think about but i'm 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 okay with this pick here um again just super toolsy power still he can still run i think there's still more stolen bases there maybe he takes a little bit of a jump there i think i heard jerry depoto talking about how you know, talking about him stealing bases, so maybe they're expecting more from him this year in that category. Yeah, they were talking about him stealing bases and said, oh yeah, he had six last year. That seems good. <laughs> no, um, I hope so. He had six in 131 games, yeah. uh, about 535 played appearances, 25 home runs, 71 runs, 77 RBI for Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, the average came down about 30 points this yeah. last year with a 17% swing strike rate. It is not what you want to see. However, Tiosco Hernandez was 20th in hard contact at 34%. That's what you want to see. Generally does promote the high average in slugging. 491 slugging. It should not be a shock to anyone. That's 31st in the majors. Hopefully he's smack dab in the middle of the improving Mariners lineup. This could still very well play out. And I will mention the outfielders thin out at this time. After mm-hmm. Kyle Schorber went, it was Oscar Hernandez, George Springer, and I do like George Springer. He's a risk, of course, with injuries, but when he plays, he is very productive. And then Starling Marte, Byron Buxton, Dalton Varsho, your Cor- Corbin Carroll. And there really isn't much that you can depend on. Oscar does feel like someone in a 12-teamer specifically. You are going to start every single time he can, and it'd be shocking if you were to replace him. That's got to be a good feeling, Rick. Yeah, I and mean, you know you're going to get power from him, and you know I just really like what he did over he got off to a slow start last year but he he picked it up towards the end of the year and yeah i think he's he's pretty safe especially at this point in the draft that's a safe you know power guy to uh take to take a take a shot on absolutely um and so what we mentioned before seventh round you know go around the bend darvish and springer get taken you go for gunner henderson as your third base guy and when he came up for the orioles this year henderson didn't do too much i mean 259 average Four home runs, 18 RBI, 12 runs, one stolen base. But it was just 34 games. Cut him some slack. Uh, that's a lot of RBI and runs in those in those games. Are you seeing him turning into something major for the Orioles this year? I mean, top, one of the top prospects in baseball. I, I really liked it was a short, small sample size again. But the walk rate was over 12%, which is like, you know, you don't really see that often from a guy in his first taste of, you know, major league pitching. So. That has me, you know, feeling good about him. And again, it's third base at this point was just I there was not a lot of options. So I figured, you know, why not take a shot on you know, one of the top prospects in baseball who has, you know, good on base skills and plenty of power potential that he really hasn't even, you know, tapped into yet. So um I don't know what, you know, you really don't know what to expect from him, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see some, you know, like an Alex Bregman like rookie season from him next year. Um, especially, I was hoping the Orioles would kind of do a little bit more here. I thought they were gonna, you know, ride that momentum and make some some moves, but it's kind of been quiet so far there. But I still like that. I mean, that team's still fun and still still got a pretty interesting lineup that he's surrounded. Yeah, you have to be when they were shouting the orange wave, they didn't realize (laughs) it wasn't Baltimore. It was the New York Mets. Mm. 
And that, ah, they should have picked up on that one. <laughs> um, now, Henderson in double A and triple A in 2022 had about 112 games and 19 home runs, 22 stolen bases in, in those minor league leagues. Uh, minor league, and those minor leagues, minor league leagues. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but about a 300 average as well. Uh, strike rate did go up in AAA about soaring 26% as the swing strike rate went up to 13%, but actually improved that swing strike rate in the majors mm-hmm. for his 32 games to just 10%. And walk rate, as you mentioned, always been double digits for uh, for Henderson. Really good to see that. I do wonder uh, where there will be sliding him in that lineup he mm-hmm. had a game at first, uh, first in the lineup, mostly at fifth. We'll see how that gets filled out uh, through the season. Henderson could be a sneaky third base play here. Could get a lot of RBI if he is batting fifth and hopefully improving on that 260 average. If he walks a lot, that's good. But will the Orioles be good enough in the back half to hit him in enough mm. is a good question. Thank you. Again, patting myself on the back. <laughs> um but I, uh, but yeah, I, I do hope the Orioles make some signing. Make, go get Correa. That would make be nice. That so, happen, yeah. you know, because I do not like Correa, and I cannot wait for <laughs> Fast to have to love Alex uh, Carlos Correa. That will be interesting. Um, but let's move on to your eighth pick, which is interesting that you're going for two young guys back to back. I I don't know if I would say that you are the young prospect target guy. Those are all a lot of adjectives. <laughs> Typically, no. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, but here you are, and you're going after Corbin Carroll. Why Corbin Carroll? Um, again, is this so? These two picks were back to back, and it's similar. Where I'm taking a young guy with just you know insane upside. Um, with Carroll, I mean, he's got 80 grade speed. I I wasn't sure. I know I have Acuna, but other than that, stolen bases are kind of. You know, I'd be banking on Acuna and Chisholm at this point. So figure Carroll should get a lot of playing time in Arizona, uh, should steal a lot of bases. He's always hit for good average um, and his power is even growing. I mean, he had 28 home runs in 125 total games throughout all, you know, all leagues last year. So uh, potential, probably not next year, but definitely potential like five tool tool player here, five category guy. But. Um, really just, you know, hoping for speed and some, some good average with a couple of home runs here from him. I remember in uh discord and Shelly, please correct me, but <laughs> I, be- I believe Shelly is just fawning over Corbin Carroll and He's when exciting. Shelly fawns over a prospect, it is very exciting. Exactly. Four home runs mm-hmm. in his 32 games. 27 uh, percent K rate is the thing that we're going to yeah. be looking at. But yeah, he does steal, but it was only two stolen bases for Corbin Carroll uh, in in his short lived uh, 2022 season with the Diamondbacks. Now in the minors, we had 33 stolen bases in about 110 games um, or so. Yeah, 110 games in double uh, A and triple A. Uh, actually not even, I'm sorry, but a hundred games, 91. I can do math guys. I promise <laughs> 91 games. He had 19 stolen base, uh, 20, 31 stolen bases. My gosh, <laughs> 91 games, 31 stolen bases and double a and triple a for Corbin Carroll in 2022. <laughs> so the speed is there Yep. on, it is a budding 
Arizona Diamondbacks offense. Their defense was excellent last year. We'll see what their rotation looks like. You got Zach Gallen, of course. Merrick Kelly did really well. You you also have Brandon Fott coming up. Um, hopefully soon, maybe Dre Jameson or Ryan Nelson come through. There are some exciting things happening in Arizona. I'm actually a little surprised. They're probably going to wait until next offseason. But boy, they should be spending a lot of money mm. next offseason because they are getting their foundation set. And I'm excited to see what happens there. Corbin Carroll could be a really good one. I, I don't know if I want to go after him again for the same reasoning about Acuna Jr. I don't want to lean in too much to the steals in 5x5. Five mm-hmm. five. I think it's the least important stat. It's like average and steals are much less important to me than home runs, runs, and RBI. Because the difference every week is so small. Even with, uh, it's a lot easier to steal those weeks. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> Yeah. Than I uh, than the other three is my point. Um, so I I generally like to focus on getting the three pillars, and then then try and aim for a point here and there on uh, average and steals only in head to head. Roto it's a little bit different. You have to focus on it because that's cause that's ten points you'll miss out on for the for all year, and that's a huge deal. Sure. Um, uh, Jose Abreu ninth round though. I gotta dig this one. I, I get worried about first base after it's uh, the first five of Alonso Guerrero Jr., Freeman, Goldschmidt, and Olsen. Then maybe I can be convinced on Vinny Pascantino. Uh, Scott Chu absolutely adores Nathaniel Lope. Shouldn't be a sixth rounder, but I understand his his love a bit. But really for me, it's this Jose Abreu, CJ Crone, Christian Walker, Crew, and Vinny P in there as well. And you got one of them in Jose Abreu, and especially going to the Astros mm. now. Oh boy, you are likely not going to see ninth round Jose Abreu, are you? No, not I wouldn't imagine anymore. Um, it's like the perfect fit we could have asked for 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 his value going to Houston. Um, that ballpark, that that lineup, uh, just it, that that signing made so much sense. Like the, when it when it happened, I know the Red Sox ran on him, and I was a little bit bummed about it. But oh right, it, you're a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I, mean, I knew uh, this. I'm just <laughs> once again saying, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's it's just like yeah like he, he would go to the the Astros and he's gonna probably rake there and the power numbers again he's another one of these guys I drafted who their power numbers definitely dipped last year and um but still making hard contact it's just you know it's just making some adjustments to uh to to get a little bit more you know a little higher launch angle to start turning those hard hit ground balls into doubles and home runs. 15 home runs last year, right? Uh, Hopefully that changes over 50% ground ball rate for the first time. Actually, second time in his career, 2019, he did that as well. But that was when he had 33 home runs. So bouncy ball, please come back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's going to be 36 Mm. is the biggest issue I see. That's uh, We don't think of Jose Brie as super old, but remember when he came into the league, he was already on the older side. Um, He wasn't a spry chicken. Uh, but then you know now he's gonna be 36 and this should be good you got I can't help but be a little bit worried about the uh the fly ball exit velocity uh going down to sub 90 for the first time since 2019 but then again bouncy ball 87 miles per hour of fly ball exit velocity then 89 last year maybe it does get fixed maybe they don't use the dead ball and they just use the Goldilocks ball and everything is fine 
Uh, I'm giving you a seal of approval for ninth round Jose Abreu because, yeah, you're not going to remove him from the first base position. This is a hole yeah. in your team after the first five rounds, and you filled it effectively. So seal of approval. You could, oh, boy. Strap in. You're about to get a lot of them, I think. Um, tenth round is Freddy Peralta. And I want to love this pick. We might look back at it and go, duh, of course. Or you might get burned by it. What what drew you to this? I mean, this is your third starter after going Burns McClanahan. You finally returned to it in the 10th round. This is kind of how I go about starting pitching is I like to have at least one, typically not two, you know, aces, but I used to have like, like it's kind of how you preach too. It's I like to have an ace and then kind of take some shots down at the end of the, the draft. And I think, you know, at the around this time, there's definitely some upside arms, but if, you know, Peralta's, potentially he he was a top 20 25 arm when healthy if he can stay healthy and i again just like that's the one that's the reason he's down here i think is um you know health concerns and um but before you know his shortened season this year he you know he fits the bill as a a solid number three and a 12 teamer who could could you know, burn you a couple, ta- burn you a couple weeks, and then give you you know three really you know winning you know starts and weeks. So he's um you know risk reward here, but I I, I like him at this point. It, Freddie Peralta had two instances of injuries. I uh, on May twenty second, um, someone's birthday here. I uh, he uh, he got injured against the Nationals. Came back on. August 3rd and then had a nice little stint until September 8th or rather uh, the 31st against Pittsburgh and then didn't really come back as a starter after that they really shut him down only uh, about seven innings no rather nine innings man my math is horrible tonight Uh, 9.2 innings in the cross four games in September the strikeout rate also wasn't nearly what it was before when he did come back he didn't have a single game above five strikeouts in those games post uh, the injury on May 22nd. He was looking a lot like his former self before it. I mean, he had a 10 strikeout game in seven innings against Atlanta. The one before it was eight innings, uh, sorry, eight, 5.2 innings of one run and eight strikeouts. It was looking like, okay, it's Freddie Peralta. Deal with it. And it slowed down a lot. And I have to think something's up. Um, it, it just feels off mm. and I hope that the off season fixes this velocity was tremendously down by the end of, of August. We're talking 90.3 on the fastball as opposed to 92 to 93. And that's a big deal. Um, and it's, it's risky. All of the stable guys are gone now. Actually, Bass is the last one, him going to Toronto. That's fine with me. Honestly, good win chance. Mm-hmm. He should be solid up there. Um, Logan Gilbert, Logan Webb, George Kirby, Lance Lynn, and Framber Valdez are part of the secure team to me. I personally would go with Joe Ryan. I think he's going to be more of a rock for you with still a lot of upside to him. Yeah, Freddie Peralta, though, I can't deny that he is a top 15 pitcher when he's on. And it's very possible that Peralta will be that again. I... Uh, You'll see Freddie Peralta go around here. So I could be very wrong about it. 
he could be totally healthy and ready to go and give you 160 innings or so. Because we don't expect 180 No, uh, from Peralta. There will be some limitation, maybe just his erratic nature. Uh, because it was must have been a higher walk rate, 8.5% last year. Um, it's been elevated for a while. Most of them are hovering 10% or just underneath it. So that does mean he's going to be a little bit harder to, to go deep into games. However, he is a hard contact kind of sore. Sixth best among all starting pitchers last year was Freddie Peralta at just under 20% hard contact. He's never had a season above 20% hard contact allowed. If you everyone would think it's Kyle Hendricks, you know, it's not. It's Freddie Peralta, the master of hard contact mitigation. And there's something to, to say about that. That's why his hipper nine has been under seven for three straight years. That's really hard to do. The league average is around eight. If you have fewer, actually 8.7 hits per nine. So if you have fewer hits and a lot of softer contact, then you're going to have that low whip. And that's why it was a 104 last year, 0.97 in 2021. So it does seem like the floor isn't so bad. It's just about how much you're going to see of him. Yeah. And the as the third starter, <laughs> depends on how you want to play this. Uh, I'm actually a little surprised that you only had five starting pitchers taken. And was there a plan for that? Is this traditionally what you do, five starters? Um, It's a little bit low. I think I kind of, yeah. I Well, I will say I think there's six on here, but... um. Duran, Whitlock. Oh yeah, right. I always forget Whitlock is. <laughs> he's right now. I think he's the Red Sox number yeah, two no, starter he's, heading he's into in it, especially considering the signing of Jansen. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's. Uh, it's funny. I put out a tweet being like, "Oh, is how do you think how can Whitlock are out of the? Are still relievers now? Everyone's like, Whitlock is a starter, Nick. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> there was some there was some mystery about it. But yeah, Whitlock I I yeah. personally think Whitlock's probably best suited in the bullpen but i do too thank you rick <laughs> but the way that this rotation is set up right now i don't think there's yeah, any I'm, option i'm just so sorry for the year ahead man <laughs> this isn't gonna yeah be fun it's, it's not looking great how did it get to this i don't i don't know i don't know how it went from <laughs> Mo- how we went from mookie bogarts and and now both those guys are gone for like nothing to show for it really and yeah ben attendee ben attendee gone I mean, J.D. Martinez gone. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez. Just you want me to name more Evaldi? No, (laughs) Evaldi could still come back. Like he's the best. Is he? Is he the best starter remaining on in free agency? No, it's Carlos Rodon. Oh, Rodon. We're recording this on (laughs) the twelfth of December, and we might get a notification at some point about the signing of Rodon. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be to the Yankees though. So, um. Oh, Bear, no, you know, that's... there's no, there's no way the Red Sox are going to spend on Rodon. Now. Oh, they're not, they're not. I'm not. <laughs> there's not a chance. Um, but anyway, I, it is fine. I mean, I'm someone that's like, there's just too many shots I want to take. But do you generally lean on taking shots elsewhere? Is that in relievers or is it in in hitters? Use usually, I like I'm would rather shore up hitters and you know take some shots here and there, but. Yeah, usually it's in pitching where I feel like there's the biggest, uh, you know, variables and there's just a lot, especially that around this point in the draft, it's 
is there really there's some there's you know some your good i guess your good tobies you're like sure i mean sure sure ish like starters that you know are going to be solid to give you innings and potentially wins and not kill your ratios but i i, I like taking shots on on pitching mostly especially you know, definitely relievers and you that's why i haven't drafted one up until this point yet um starters though that's why i like to take two that i can kind of count on and then kind of take shots after that all right well let's talk about the 11th round then you go for wilson Contreras, who is now a cardinal and with catchers are you normally on the side of waiting for catcher going for someone in the middle going for one of the top guys or was it a case of just look wilson Contreras was here and i just had to take him <laughs> it, it's kind of was just looking around the board and seeing what was available and I think there the drop off after Contreras was it's when you start getting into you know some of the younger unproven we don't really know what we're going to get out of these guys which are they're fun to take and I I like I usually go that route I usually wait a little bit but um I just think Contreras kind of rounded out the rest of the lineup and I think I got lucky with where he landed in St. Louis and he's going to have plenty of opportunities for you know RBIs there and I hope they DH him more and I hope he he's able to play nearly every day, you know, in a kind of a mixed catcher DH role. That's another thing I think with him. Um, his bat should keep him in the lineup most days. So I think after I kind of after this point, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of that, especially the way teams are kind of going to, you know, how they're using their catcher, um, you know, situations now. There's a part of me that really would just skip over Contreras uh, just because 65 runs, 55 RBI is kind of just what he's done yeah. Um, with the Cubs. But then again, maybe that's the Cubs and hitting behind Goldschmidt and Arenado will increase the RBI totals. Maybe then as DH as well, as you were mentioning. Only 113 games for Contreras in 2022. As you're mentioning, hopefully he gets those opportunities. And if he does, then... The games go up to 130, 140 or so, and then you actually will see those that significant uh, difference between Contreras and guys you'll be getting in the 19th, 20, 21st rounds. 20 home runs is the staple, though, for Contreras. That's pretty much what you're reacting to, uh, or what you're drafting to, I should say, because mm-hmm. uh, the average is not. Uh, 243, 237, 243 last three years. A catcher, is that really anything new not much um i don't know if i'm going to go for wilson Contreras. if there's talk of him being dh a lot then maybe then i understand a lot more i'm more inclined to just jump for something else later given the runs and rbi totals are just very pedestrian um at the same time it is a uh it, it's it is very safe. Like you have something, you're fine with it. You're just going to roll with it the full season. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth about catchers all the time. I kind of want to go for Adley Rutschman. I still believe it. But then I'm like, I know. why though? I, I can get Kyle Schwarber. I'm like, I'm <laughs> just going to do that instead. I was definitely, I was eyeing Adley in this and I think it was Ben Palmer. Cause I remember, I think it was Ben. Cause I'm like, oh, the typical Orioles fans going to take him like right before I was going to. Um, but then I got Gunnar Henderson, I think, in the next round. So <laughs> I've made up for it. Uh, so we're moving on now to the uh, the 12th round. And oh, I was so jealous. You made this pick of Felix Bautista. And I saw him go. I was like, oh, right. I, I should have done that. 
Yeah, you love Felix Batista. I've, I've been following your list, and uh, it's no surprise to me that you took him in the twelfth round. He was. I was just waiting. And I was watching how the closers were going, and I think he was. I had a, like a, a queue set up, and he was the last one remaining. And I'm fine with taking him as my number one, you know, reliever this year. I think. I think people are going to shy away, maybe because it's still the Orioles they probably have some sort of you know people aren't probably sold on them and it's a one year sample size from a 27 year old um totally get that but the numbers nah he's legit <laughs> the numbers I mean there's if you watch him if you look at every stat possible every I mean the guy's touching 100 miles per hour every night uh splitter is one of the best off-speed pitches and I mean in baseball 53.3 percent whiff rate um, that's really. I mean, as and long as he's, and that's also with a splitter that he doesn't even command that well. No, like he floats that thing up a good amount, but it had a twenty-seven percent swing strike rate. I mean, you could probably think the fact that he throws ninety-nine mm-hmm. uh, as a reason for that, where the guys are just dead if they do chase that splitter down. Oh yeah, yeah. and then he also has a slider that he gets a that, CSW of thirty-seven percent of the time. The sliders. The slider's not even a bad pitch either. He just doesn't really need it. But if he like if he does if he does turn to it more often, it's still a very very good uh, off speed offering. He's got. Yeah, he doesn't get too many strikes with it. He just like the splitter. He does leave that thing up a bit. He's a reliever. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, uh, this is gonna be the stupidest thing. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm doing this. Um, but someone would would tell me about football was why does a cornerback why is a cornerback a cornerback instead of a wide receiver? It's no hands. And, Bad hands, right? Yeah, they no hands, right? So why is a reliever not a starter? It's no consistency. Yeah, no command. So oh, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, so there you go. Of course, he's a reliever. He's not going to be pristine with us. If he were, then he'd be a starter. Um, that no hands thing cracks me up every time. How many times I've seen like a highlight of a mm. of a defender like grabbing their helmet, like oh, yeah. I almost had him. Like that's why you're a cornerback. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, no that's the football. last I'll ever mention about football. <laughs> um. About Butfall. <laughs> um, anyway, Felix Bautista, thir- 12th round, 12th round, seal of approval. I mean, I've been giving away lots of seal of approvals for levers in this draft, but that's just how this draft went. So much mm-hmm. value was had in it. And um, I'm glad. I-, I hope you think I did well getting Clay Holmes, that is the Adobe, in the middle of the 13th round. Yeah, I was looking at him, too. I think I, I I'm think he's kind of over that like midseason hump he had last year. Mm-hmm. and uh, the Yankees haven't made any significant moves there. Tommy Canley's not going to be closing. Yeah, out he's game, not going to so. close. No. So it's it's Holmes' job to lose. So and that's, you're that's and you are. I want you to confirm <laughs> that you call him Clay Holmes as well instead of a reliever ranks moving forward. Clay Holmes. Yeah, the Adobe. The Adobe. I'll I'll, I'll write that. I'll jot that down. It's yeah. a home made I, of clay. Oh, oh right. Oh, um man. how did I not think that's that's great. That's that's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> uh Frankie Mata's 13th round. I kind of love this. Um this is a round where I would say Jeffrey Springs should be the pick before. It's Jeffrey Springs 13th, I love. I gave a seal of approval to Weber for that one. Um but I but you have Jack Flaherty, Dustin May. Luis Garcia, Tyler Malley, Jordan Montgomery going after, and Lucas Giolito. And Matas, he's not so far removed from being in 
an absolute like SP two for your teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, three thirty seven ERA, one eighteen WHIP in two thousand twenty one. Two sixty three ERA, one eleven WHIP in two thousand nineteen. Two thousand twenty was weird because it was COVID. Legit strikeout rates as well. I mean, you have a four seamer and a sinker that come in hard. Ninety six. They both do a lot of do allow a decent amount of hard contact. Not so much the fastball, but the sinker does. The splitter is a legitimate swing and miss pitch. Twenty percent swing strike rate. And you have a slider that gets a good amount of strikes at 62% that allows him to, to do everything else. And he had a shoulder injury, and hmm. we're just hoping that he comes back with it. I've taken this entire time on my own. I want you to tell us more about Frankie Montes. Um, You kind of nailed it. I mean, if you, you're kind of seeing a trend with how I'm drafting starting, starting pitchers from here on out is um, bouncing or kind of betting on the, 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 that he's healthy and he's going to be able to bounce back. Um, he's in a great spot this year, obviously, in, in New York. He's going to be in line for a lot of wins he should, as long as he's healthy. And, and again, another free agent year, contract year, something to prove. Um, full, you know, he kind of has an off season to get used to that, you know, everything there, the, the team, the you know, New York and everything. So I, I, I just think it's taking a shot on a once top 30, top 25, you know, starter who was someone we could, you could count on like every week and was as dependable as they, they come for a while. And now, you know, just one, you know, I I think he's just a, a great bounce back candidate. And down at this point, there's you know only a handful of options really that have that same side that same kind of upside that he he's shown it's interesting there are there's actually a little tier of this frankie yeah. montas flaherty lucas giolito dustin giolito. may i yeah. uh, charlie morden as well or tyler malley these are all guys who have shown that ability and they've gotten hurt or they're uh you know kenta maeda i can put in there Mm. Um, Michael Kopech I can put in there. There, there's so many. It's just pick your fighter, you know. <laughs> um, Frankie Montes is maybe the most believable to me because it was a shoulder injury that didn't quite wasn't so serious. Mm-hmm. Like he actually pitched through it, and he was still off and out of rhythm. And I all I want to do is just think like he's got it right. There was no surgery after. He's fine. He just needs health yeah. to. Get rid of the inflammation and everything like that. You don't need time, I should say, to get that health. So I'm kind of leaning in on this a little with Frankie Montas. I, I don't know if it's quite silver proof because I do want to put it in with the other guys too, or put him um, around those guys, I should say. Mm. Um, I'm not going to roll that one back on tape. I, but I, I I'm, I'm very tempted to. Jeffrey Spring though, Springs though is a definitively better pick to me that went before you. So. Yeah, I can't give you a silver approval. Sorry. But 14th round, let's go there. Glaber Torres. <laughs> uh, you needed some backup, I assume, between Chisholm, Gunner, Bogarts in that infield. And he said, you know what? Torres had 24 home runs, 76 RBIs, 73 runs, 10 stolen bases, 257 average. This could still work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not going to expect, I'm not expecting much from the average. But um, I liked what he did in this. He was really good in the second half. Kind of had a little bit of a mini breakout, and yeah, at this point in the draft, it's like looking starting to fell at the bench with bats that do some give me something. And this is a middle infielder who's going to give me 
power. He's he's going to give me twenty plus stolen, or twenty plus home runs as long as he's healthy. And um, yeah, I think there could even be. I mean, it's, who's to say he's still he's still young. He's still I think twenty six seven. I mean, wouldn't it be totally unreasonable to see like a, a huge breakout from him um, at this point in his career. But Destiny needs to cut down on swinging strikes. And yeah, swing strikes are a big issue for Gleyber Torres. Uh, 23% K rate last year and only 7% walk rate. That did mean, though, 45th in the majors in hard contact because he did put the ball in play actually a decent amount. Kind of interesting, 31.5%. I think the talent is still there for Glaber. Mm-hmm. Play discipline and chasing out of the zone on sliders is something I saw endlessly from him. And uh, it just feels like you know he can do it, but you just can't quite take that next step. Mm-hmm. I really hope he can. We all know the potential is there. Unfortunately, Camden was changed, and there you go. No more 38 home run seasons. <laughs> right. The juice ball is gone. Uh, but no, Glaber doesn't seem like a bad pick in the 14th round. I guess this is your utility right now. Uh, I do Likely. think, yeah, this is fine. This is good. There, are, it, It's weird how there's all this depth and no depth at the same time. Where in the 14th round is generally like that's a high round. Yeah. Uh, I still feel good about 14th round picks normally. This year, it feels as if it's just a lot of grab bag upside starters at this point. I mean, still guys I want on my team, but still question mark. I could be dropping these guys. These are guys you could probably drop sooner than you did in previous years. Right. I would think 16th, 18th round was where that mark was. Yeah in previous seasons but as i've done these the picks that have been made a lot of them are like i don't care about this one you know what is their opening schedule look like um and that's something i've emphasized a lot especially with these higher upside we want to see how they look players if you're not starting a pitcher in his first start of the year (laughs) um and you are already not feeling like oh no once it's like a better matchup i'll do it it's fine don't draft them. Mm. There are so many opportunities early for to pick up other guys that you do want to have on your team. Don't go for the ones that are just going to sit on your bench. That just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You need to have your hand in as many pots as possible. There are going to be so many guys that went undrafted that you'll want on your teams. I uh, yeah, I, I, that's how I that's how I go for it. But Torres is one that yeah, all right, you'll hold on to this one. Yeah. That makes sense. So I'm fine. We're good. Uh, Luis Arias. This is an interesting one. For a 5x5 head-to-head, he was 29th in runs and 88 runs. Did have the fifth best average in the league, but just eight home runs, 49 RBI and four stolen bases. Do you feel that he's actually going to get a lot of playing time on your team? Um, Probably more of a matchup based or back. I mean, I was just this. I think I was thinking... You know what? Let's shore up the back the backup infielder spots right now. Um. Yeah, I don't know if he'll play a lot. It, it's more. It definitely is more of a, a a roto feel here to this pick. With like, all right, I can get average and runs short up here. Um. But yeah, I I I, I mean, it doesn't hurt in head to head as well. Uh, average and runs and. With Torres giving you giving me some you know power production and middle infield, Arias is kind of that weird you know he's a first base eligible guy who has absolutely no power which 
is weird and i don't i feel we i don't feel great taking him like a first baseman who has no power it's, it's different yeah but, that is, it's against the law actually yeah I, it, it probably should be i don't but <laughs> i don't know i like the player i like the a little bit the consistency here and you know does you know average is something that i really could be lacking outside of um bogarts and that's really the only you know at you know average guy i have right now that i can i know is going to hit around 300 i've talked a lot about head-to-head strategy um i did a good amount with metzler in the last one too where at some point in the year you should be shifting towards focusing on your bench players being hitters uh, because you need to get monday and thursday covered yeah. Uh, the ones that win head-to-head weeks, I imagine Rick agrees with me. I'm glad to hear it because he is, of course, a uh, three-time champion in the Legacy League. We'll tell you, yeah, getting those PAs is a big deal. Uh, so I, I'm seeing in this draft that you're kind of leaning for that right out of the gate of getting those plate appearances. Gleber Torres, Arias, you have three more hitters. Um, you are stacking a little bit on the reliever side. Shocking, you just can't help yourself. <laughs> is that actually though part of the plan to see like look i'm going to get four of these relievers that's what your 20 through 23 round picks are uh, we'll get to those in a second but is that your play of saying i want to right now in october get in on relievers and then before the season starts shift to something else i think that's yeah i think it's based on when we drafted kind of that strategy and uh those those guys that were that i took i i think just provide so much like in very immense upside for if they are they're all you know if they are the closer then but yeah in october you can take a chance on that and then if you know someone gets signed to those teams or if they make another move you can always shift away and you don't feel you don't it doesn't hurt you if you drop them and try to you know add another starter or another bench bat yeah that that makes sense uh so Michael Kopech, Michael Kopech, uh, 16th round. Oh, man, I cannot do anything at this hour. Uh, how do you feel about this one? I, there's a lot of fun to be had with Kopech. That's kind of, again, with you know sticking with the trend of, I think, my starting pitcher, starting pitching late in the draft is, can I see this guy? Has this guy been a top 20, top 25 starter? Can he be that guy? within within reason like i mean i just kopech was trending that way and then you know hit a wall and started dealing with issues and we're probably i mean what do you expect to see how many innings can we expect to see from him next year that's that's the question but um as far as yeah having fun and just like a ton of upside with his arm i mean at this point it felt like a a fun pick that you know i'm, I'm hoping to hit on at least one of these three I would really like to hit on two. Um, but if as long as I hit big on one of these three between Kopech, Montas, and Peralta, I can kind of stream the rest of the starting pitchers. Or, you know, there's going to be someone oh, you're waiver. speaking my language, right? Yeah. You're saying three starters <laughs> and whatever. We'll figure and it then, out. That's generally my strategy three to four. And uh, especially oh, yeah, I in, love these, it. in these leagues, in the 12 team leagues, there's always, you know, the waivers is full of, you know, someone has a bad start and they drop someone it's like oh that's i'll they'll take him and you know run with him for for a bit there and it's just right he didn't hurt me yeah so (laughs) we're fine 
Uh, yeah, I can't help myself in these drafts because I can just see the potential greatness of all of them. Yeah. Uh, and it burns me, you know. Um, <laughs> it's guys I want to see in the spring, and then I can drop before the season begins. Like Kenta Maeda, I want to see yeah. if he's at his velocity in the spring. If he is, then let's go. Um, Kopech is a very big thing about velocity as well. Uh, if you remember him when he was first coming up, he was ended up being 100 miles per hour. But then we saw that we were hoping for 95. And last year, that's kind of what we got. But when he hit 97, that was when it was beautiful. And then sometimes starts, he was down to 93. And you just got to mm. think to yourself, that is not Michael Kopech. His slider is his major secondary pitch. And that is the good one. While the curveball is a little bit more erratic. They're both kind of erratic uh and the four seamer really has gotten through starts for him i am a little worried i i think the consistency isn't quite there yet for kopeck he's still at a three five four era but the fit will tell you all the things hiding beneath mm-hmm. with the four five fit which is the 223 babbitt for kopeck the homer five ball rate we have at 10 percent, and we have a left on base rate that's pretty the average around 74 percent. but the 223 babbitt come on we know that is not going to stick around the 6.4 hit per nine no way it's going to keep walking, guys, too. 11 to 12% walk rate. It was just all messed up. The knee was bothering him, and he didn't go on the IL. It's just, what is this? I don't know what we're going to see. Even if we see it out of the gate, this is the problem I have with Kopech, is I won't be able to trust it because mm. I wasn't able to trust it last year. And as you're talking about with streaming and everything, a guy will drop him, then you're going to try and take a chance. Yeah. You're going to be the guy that drops him, though, not the one taking the chance because you don't know what to do with it. And that's something I try to avoid. That's a good point. Yeah, so, he's definitely, yeah. It, it's hard. It's, But then you'll be like, ah, oh, you know this feeling. It's, I call them the hipsters now, right? The headache-inducing mm. pitchers, stifling the entire roster. It, it's You don't know what to do. Whatever move you make is going to be the wrong one. Right. Ugh. And Kopech could be that one again. But then again, he could also just be amazing and... Who cares? <laughs> um, Jock Peterson and Ian Happ were your next two picks, 17th and 18th rounds. Two outfielders. You already had three in Corbin Carroll, Tosca Hernandez, and Acuna Jr. So why'd you go for Peterson and Happ? Uh, I think I wanted at least one more outfielder here, and I think I ended up taking two because there's there's definitely a little... I mean, Corbin Carroll is a bit of a question mark because he's you know limited at bat so far, so... Um, in daily and daily head to head leagues, I love Jock Peterson just because he's super productive against righties. And as long as you're playing him in the right matchups, he's a great potential out, you know, third or fourth outfielder or utility, um, option. Um, and it shows that San Francisco really valued him and bringing him back on the, um, on the, what the, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The, um, <laughs> The roster, yeah, the forty man. They're bringing him onto the team again. How they signed they, him again? They, yeah, they they gave him the qualifying offer. That's the word. Ah, qualifying there offer. There it is. My brain's it's a little late for my brain too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're making I, I, it through, guys. We can do this. <laughs> we know what a qualifying offer is. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean, eighteen point nine million per year for a year for him. I think that it's you know that shows that he's at least going to play against righties and. You know, that's a, he's a definitely a matchup based based guy to to roster at the end of drafts. I mean, he's a really fun one for our dead leagues where you can just platoon him, right? Yeah, as you're saying, uh, clearly has power to him. Twenty three home runs last year in just 134 games. 
great. I mean, you really just play it like that and treat him, really lean into him. It can be tough when it's lefty-righty stuff to actually lean into a guy. Do it. Mm-hmm. Just just, just do it. Deny the guy that is your regular for Jock Peterson. He becomes more than a regular. He becomes excellent against left-handers. Lean into that. And now Ian Happ, uh, same idea here? Yeah, similar. I mean, big, you know, some power potential, can run a little bit, won't kill average. Just like, uh, they're, I'm thinking there might be a little bit more here. There, you know, his, his batted ball uh, stats look pretty, pretty promising. And that lineup, I, I mean, we'll see what Cody Bellinger can do. But if they add one of those big shortstops like they're talking about, Swanson or Correa, all of a sudden, if Ian Happ's hitting like second in that lineup and behind in front of uh, Bellinger's one of those shortstops and Suzuki, then you know that's a pretty pretty decent lineup that that they'll be putting out there. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about uh about Ian Happ. Um, fly ball rates have gone down, ground ball rates have gone up. He's near fifty percent now. Uh, that may be why the Babbitt went to 336. Wasn't too much of a jump, though, from the previous season. His barrel rate went down four points. His hard contact rate up three. Um, that is because he lowered the walk rate and the strikeout rate. So more balls are collectively in play. But the rate of a barrel of those batted balls is down. I hope everyone understands that. I imagine you, because hard contact's over play appearance. Well, bad ball events just over. I... Sorry, Barrels is over about a ball events. That's why I messed mm. up that pronunciation. Anyway, uh, 17 home runs, 72 RBI, and identical runs for Ian Happ in 2022. He seems fine. He's like a Toby of hitters. Yeah. Mm. And if that's what you want right now, bless you. You sneezed. Um, but I don't want it. <laughs> Early on, I focus on pitching because I feel like that is the biggest jump in performance that you can identify. In the first month or so, maybe three weeks, um, like Taylor Ward, for example, you can identify and go and get, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine for hitters. Go and do that. Definitely save room for those. I'm like, no, I want to have, I don't know, Trevor Rogers just went after and he comes out and dominates that first start. Everyone's going to be like, you got to get Trevor Rogers. Oh my God, Trevor Rogers, Trevor Rogers. I doubt you'll feel that way, Betty and Hat. So that's why I lean away from it the first week. That said, you can certainly get more stuff the second, third week in those pitching stuff, and you'll probably you have a better chance of winning the first week with extra playing appearances with Ian Happ. So I understand it all. How do you feel on those two sides? Yeah, that's I I agree with that. I mean, I think later in the draft, I think I just kind of got a little bit freaked out by taking so many kind of, you know, upside picks earlier that I was like, I just want to, in case things don't go well, or I mean, I'm guessing Corbin Carroll is going to start the year and with a roster Right, spot. yeah. Carroll, you but, don't want to have to do Jack Peterson. Okay, I need to make sure I have Ian Happ. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, Ty France, 19th round, another hitter. <laughs> this is why, why Ty France? He's, I literally have down in my notes that he's the infield version of Happ, where... <laughs> Kind of just a solid floor. He's going to give counting stats. At the, I mean, he was an all-star last year. Yeah, there was a big deal about Ty France the first couple months. Yeah, and it looks sustainable. And I, I mean, I, I think he can get back. I don't know if he's going to be that. Like, 
I don't. I think it comes down to what his what the power numbers end up being like. I think he's a, he's a good hitter. He's not going to kill your average. It's just um, I don't know what he's going to be able to provide as far as power goes, and I'm not sure where is he going to be their first baseman every day this year. Right uh, they did not sign anyone. Yeah, I think uh, so. I imagine so. Teoscar Hernandez was the deal, but. but- but he no. he has I think he's got some versatility as far as especially in Yahoo leagues, um, at least third base, maybe second base still too. I don't know, but sure. I with Ty France, yeah, the, the roster resources projecting him as their first base. Yeah. Last year he had six games at third base, so you're good for uh, for Yahoo there. Uh, one game at second base, not enough. 127 at first and eight yeah. at DH. Um, Ty France. Over under 0.5 stolen bases next year. <laughs> I mean, I'll take the over on that, but yeah, you're, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> he has in four years, 404 games, 1,600 played appearances. Ty France has a collective zero stolen bases in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the over too. Come on, France. Let's all root for this. For one, yeah, I mean, or David Ortiz had, you know, stolen bases here and there throughout his career. And there's you're not there's no way you're gonna convince me that Ty France is a slower runner than him. <laughs> if France can steal a World Cup, Ty France can steal a stolen <laughs> hey. base. Um, we don't know right now what the results are. It's semifinals are coming, but if France actually wins now, that's pretty funny. Anyway, I the best part of this one is the last four picks, and I'm just gonna let you go straight through all four because you had a field day. Here I am going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to take Matt Brash. And you laugh. You go, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to take Yohan Duran, Andres Munez, and Jose Alvarado with a mix of Garrett Whitlock. We'll talk about Whitlock after. But those are your final picks of this draft. Run me through them. Yeah, well, before we talk about Whitlock, I'll say I was kind of planning on him also being in the closer mix. But that's... That's totally changed now with Johnson. Yes, yeah, so now with Duran, Munoz, and Alvarado, um, just last three, four picks, just trying to throw darts and take the highest upside potential closers available. And I don't, it doesn't really get more upside than these three guys. And they all they have a decent, I mean, have a, a chance to close out games for their teams. We don't know, you know, Seattle turned to Munoz a few times. Let's start with Munoz. I, I I honestly think after you know doing my reliever ranks for the upcoming season, he and Edwin Diaz kind of were like in a tier by themselves when it came to just like strict um, metrics and the numbers I broke down. Where no one is as dominant as those two guys last year. So it's obviously Munoz is only twenty three. He's got some health concerns, but you know what he can potentially bring to the table, especially this late in the draft. If he becomes their primary clue, even if he's just splitting the role with, with Paul Seawald or someone else, or, uh, there's still value here in a, in a reliever with his, you know, he, he, he should strike out close to a hundred guys next year, give you an ERA under three whip, potentially around one under one. Um, just, uh, you know, a dart throw, but just, taking high upside relievers who throw a hundred miles per hour like him and like Joanne Duran, who 
um, you know, I think should be the closer for the Twins. He's their best reliever, and it's not really close. I know they traded for Jorge Lopez, and he'll be back, but he really did not pitch well when he moved to Minnesota. That, that didn't that didn't work out. So Duran's their best returning reliever. Do they still want to keep him in more of a two-inning, you know, fireman hybrid role? Possibly, but uh, I would, you know, definitely go take a chance on Duran if he's available of your last couple picks because if he does end up at the closer, um, potential top 10, you know, easily um, potential top 10 closer for so, no cost. between Duran... Munoz and Alvarado, who would you say has the highest swing rate pitch, swing strike rate pitch, I should say? Um, I think I would say Munoz, but I think it might have been Alvarado. So I, Johan uh, Duran had a curveball at a 25% swing strike rate. Very good. The splitter, the splinker, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. 22%, four seamer, 14.5. Andres Munoz, uh, slider, 29.5% mm. swing strike rate on the slider is insane when you throw it 65% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> what? And then there's Jose Alvarado. His cutter, 41% of the time usage, nothing like 65%. And its swing strike rate's only 30.3%. Yeah. 30%. Oh my gosh. These guys are so good. And, and they should all get the save chances. I uh, with with Alvarado, I wonder what happens to Anthony Dominguez as mm-hmm. well. Um he became the guy in the playoffs though. So you have to wonder about that. It's all about the the sinker. Is that going to be good enough as you have his command mm-hmm. of it? It's at 99 to 100, but still had 24% Hard contact, 283 average allowed on it. Didn't miss many bats, just 9%. Sinkers rarely do. So it's about how much he leans in on that cutter. Um, Munoz, as you're, you're saying, I mean, yeah, he's just so good. And you imagine if he does become the high leverage guy. Well, Durand, well, he did get those two saves uh, the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. It makes you wonder. Maybe, maybe, maybe he does get it. So, yeah, I think you had it. I mean, shocking, the reliever guy who's incredible. I had the order of Durant first because of that. Is that why? Yeah, I think he's the most likely to be closing out games next year out of the three. I think Munoz, is, Munoz has the highest upside overall, but Duran, I just don't see a lot of competition there, and they haven't really done much this offseason. Um, and it's just, you know, Jorge Lopez was really starting to lose his grip on, the, on that job last year. So Sure. Yeah. And and lastly, we're going to talk about Garrett Whitlock quick, quickly. So you think he's going to be a starter? It seems like he is a starter. Do you like that? I personally think he's best better off in the bullpen from what we've seen and I know he's got three good pitches. I I understand the the reasoning behind trying to, you know, move him into the rotation, but he's so he's shown how good he can be and how much worth he has in the bullpen and I just hate messing with that and he was okay in the rotation last year but he wasn't I mean he didn't do anything to to say like wow he needs this guy needs to be starting every fifth day he he was kind of just I feel like it lowered his value a little bit and 
I, I, I like, I mean, they, the Red Sox short up their bullpen, so there's really not, there's less of a need for him in there, but uh, I think his best value overall would have been in, as a, as a bullpen piece. Cool. I, I think Whitlock could be really interesting the second half of the year. He mm. needs to improve, improve his slider command. He made a lot of mistakes with it and got crushed when that pitch licked over the middle of the zone. And it's a sinker focus, and it's like Aaron Nola, where he tries to stay away from right-handers and do arm and do hip, uh, front hip, come back over the plate, uh, sinkers to lefties. So he essentially throws it exclusively glove side. Yeah. And Whitlock, I don't know if he can get away with that as much. The sinker does get hard, hit hard when it messes up. The changeup has opportunities. It does fade well. Um, it does stay low in arm side a lot, but it's not really that overwhelming. Yeah. And it does make me think that he's a better fit for the rotation than Hauk because it's more of a complete repertoire, but there's still things to fix. So I imagine over time, Whitlock can get it down pat and get into that rhythm. But I, but yeah, we'll see if that can work for, uh, for Whitlock in season. But that's it. That's your 23 picks, 1 through 23. Um, on a scale of 1 to 23, with 1 being the worst, 23 being the best, this is 1 point for every pick. How would you grade this team? Uh, I'd say I'll give it a solid 16. 16. Why a 16? Yeah. Um, there's definitely some some moves here that I think I would probably take back. But I think that also is because of, I mean, we, we it's, it was October when we drafted and now we've seen some moves made. Um. Yeah, you'd now have me a little bit worried about my starting pitching as well because I do have to rely on one of Peralta or I'd rather rely on Peralta Montas Kopech becoming my f- number four right. instead of having, you know, and having a solid three in front of them. Um, And even with I, I'm excited, I like the, the relievers, but I really I need one of those three guys to. If one of those three guys is a closer and they can, I can rely on, rely on them as my number two behind Batista, then I'm fine. I can figure it out from there. But it's you know relying on things that aren't certain yet. So there's well, definitely some. I, yeah. I want to say Abreu and Batista got the official seals of approval. I should mm-hmm. give one at least for that run to the end because I just I saw that and went, oh my gosh, what am I doing? That's a fun reliever tier. Our run right there. Duran <laughs> is the one I'm giving you a seal of approval for, okay. officially, because that's just yeah. Take he's it. gonna close. He's gonna close. He Munoz should. probably should too, but you know, uh, maybe not Alvarado. Alvarado is gonna be a little bit more of a heartache uh, mm. or a headache that will hurt your heart too. Uh, but 16 seems good, and I uh, that's gonna do it, Rick. I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast. Um, before we end this one, one more time, remind everything, everyone where to find you and everything that you do. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, I, you know, I write the reliever ranks. I, re- I write, do the rankings for relievers for pitcher lists and help manage the reliever ranks daily team. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Sim- simple as simple enough. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, uh, and of course, senior fantasy analyst here at Pitcherless Rick Graham. Thank you so much for, for joining me today, but that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.